Let's go to Acts chapter 16. Acts 16. I love the book of Acts. You know why? Because there's no period at the end of the book. If you read all the other books, epistles that are in the Bible that Paul wrote and many of the other books, they all have a period. But the book of Acts does not have a period because we're God's sons and daughters and things are still happening in the kingdom. So if all the books like Jesus wrote years ago, I mean the Holy Spirit said years ago, he said, if all the books could be written that of all the things that happened when they happened, there wouldn't be enough books to contain them all, all the stuff that's happened. I mean, I think about my life. I think about your lives. Just think about all the things that happened in our life if we could write them down of the things that happened supernaturally and, you know, in the fact of the things that we've written. But in Acts chapter, did I tell you what, chapter 16? Acts 16, verse 16. I'm going to start there. We're going to be in Acts 16, and then we're going to we're going to move to Acts um, 9, and then 10. And I don't know. You know, we'll just let the Holy Spirit uh, do something. Amen. Uh, but the focus of my teaching will be touching heaven through our prayers and through our giving. And prayers and giving is like prayers and worship. You know, and I I just believe that, you know, having a focus of worship and prayer. As a, as a group, a community of believers. I don't think they're... I mean, it's it's wonderful. I mean, I love it. I love worship. And, you know, I know that you can go to a lot of uh, different... And I'm not mocking or, you know, criticizing anybody, but you can go to a lot of different churches. There's, a, there's thousands of churches in Cleveland. And most of the churches you go to, you can't get more than 10 or 15 minutes of worship or praise. can't get it because everything's focused on the teaching or how fast we can get you in and how fast we can get you out. Because most services today, you know, in our in our sphere and our understanding are are less than 40 minutes. If you're doing three, four, or five services on a Sunday morning, you know, you're not getting much of nothing. You know, I know churches right now that that are you know base charismatic Pentecostal churches that are doing one or two songs and that's it. You're out. You're done. One or two songs, 10 or 15 minutes of of teaching, and you're out out of the, out of the place. My question is, where's the focus at? You know, where, what are we trying to accomplish? And, and I, you know, it's like family. Like when I send, you know, when people when people have children and they send their their children to school, they're expecting the school to reinforce what's being done at home. And I think that's what the church should be. We should be reinforcing what you're doing at home, like devotions and worship and prayer should be very common for a home life. And if that's your commonality as home, you're you're praying together, you're worshiping get together, you're reading your Bibles together then when you come to church, we should be able to confirm that for you. That's, you know, and then celebrate that together. Amen? And so at Acts 16, 16, it says, this is Paul and Silas. It says, now it happened as they went to prayer. So they went to prayer. So that means they had to leave the house and go somewhere, right? That a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination, stuff you don't hear today. I mean, it's like sometimes when you read the Bible, you have to wonder, where were these people? And who are they? You know, you gotta, you gotta, because you're gonna, we're gonna read stuff in here that's just not common for the Western culture or the Western mindset. Because we have here, it says, a slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination. That's, I mean, that's different than today. Do you, you hear people talk about people that have spirits? You don't hear it. And if you do, they look at you like, where's your white suit? You know, it's like, but this is the Bible. This is what the Bible says. Met us and brought us her masters. In other words, there were her, somebody's over her. We, we have a name for those people. I don't want to use the word here, but we have a name for those people. And much profit by fortune telling. 
And this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. But how many know that was a mocking statement? It wasn't a, a statement of, oh, wow, I mean, we're excited about this. They were mocking. You know, there's a lot of mocking going on today in our country against our president. I mean, the, the, it's, it's like crazy. And I believe there's a spirit that's loosed that's happening. And, and people don't want to admit these things because we just want to find a natural way to explain everything. And then verse 18, and this she did for many days. And then it says, but Paul, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit of divination, and talking to the girl here, how would he know that? How, would he, how, how did Paul have such knowledge to know that he wasn't talking to the girl, but he was talking to the spirit that was possessing the girl? I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it says he came out and he, he came out of her the very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace and to the authorities. <coughs> and they brought them to the magistrates and said, how many you know what magistrates are? You have them. We have them today. They're the guys when you go to the court system that take care of problems, you know, that are happening. That, that they don't want the judges because the judges are so filled. Their dockets are so filled with things that the magistrates who precedes the judge takes care of the things. First place in, you know. And these men, and so they brought them to the magistrates and said, "These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city." I mean, that was a lie. Total deception. We would call that today in our world fake news. Fake news. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. These, I mean, then the multitude rose up together against... I mean, it sounds like TV to me. It sounds like what I'm watching on TV. And they rose up together and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Not a good reward for casting out a spirit of a girl who was bound. And when they had laid, it says verse 23, I don't know if you got this highlighted in your Bible, it should be. And when they had laid many stripes on them, I mean stripes has nothing to do with like honoring a veteran. It's not a medal it's being whipped. It's being beaten. It's being bloodied. It's being tortured for doing good. How many know the Bible says that Jesus went about doing good? And what was his reward? What, how did they help? How did they reward Jesus? They crucified him. They crucified him. And then they took the, the criminal instead of the good one, the one who created them. They chose the criminal over Jesus. And when they had laid many stripes on them, and they threw them into where? Where did they go? Where was their prison? Commanding the jailer to keep them securely, having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. We've all seen pictures of that operation. But verse, verse 25, But at midnight, 
Paul and Silas were what? Praying. And what were they doing? Worshiping. Singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And then, verse, look at the next verse. First word. The word. The word. The word. Because they were praying and, I, and they were singing and they were worshiping God right after they were beaten. You know, you know I, I'd like to see American Christians today uh, do this. I'd like to see it. And then suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone, everyone's chains were loosed. How does that happen? God, yeah, thank you, Mark. Very good. Good answer. And the keeper of the prison, awakened from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why was he going to do that? Because it was custom that if you lose control of your prisoners, you're going to get killed. That was the consequence. <clears throat> but Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm. We didn't leave. We're still here. Isn't that crazy? Because they're wondering, what? How did this happen? What did we do? All we did was pray and worship. See, I'm believing that God can do supernatural things if we understand. And sometimes we don't even have to understand because this guy was clueless. Paul and Silas were clueless. They needed somebody to explain it to them. So Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, sir, for we are all here. And they called for a light, ran and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I've heard, have you ever had any? I've had people, several people say that to me. At the most oddest and weirdest times. Not when I'm preaching the gospel to them. Not when I'm telling them the four spiritual laws. Just out of clear blue sky, somebody just stand in front of me and say, what must I do to be saved? I go, what? Where did that come from? Someone here talking in that person's ear because I'm not telling them nothing. You can ask my wife. I can bring the guy here. He lives, he lives in, in Parma. I was, on, I was on my truck. I was on a truck. I used to work for the illuminating company years ago. I was on a, I was on a truck delivering a big reel of underground cable. I was getting out to the end because a big crane was going to come and grab my, my thing and it was going to take it over here and put it in storage. And this guy comes up to me. He runs to my truck at the back of my truck and he falls in front of me in my work environment. This guy falls knees first at, at the end of the truck and he says, Mike, what must I do to be saved? I said, oh my gosh. Here? Now? Here in front of everybody? What must I do? To, I says, all you got to do is accept Christ. You want to pray? He says, yep, let's do it. We prayed, gave his life to the Lord. Not many months later, that same person that gave his life to the Lord was put in jail for a crime he never committed and spent 13 years in prison. And when he came out, he was still on fire for Jesus. Today he's a preacher, a pastor, a prophetic guy, and still serving the Lord. Paid his price, whatever he had to pay, and kept on going for Jesus. Never turned back. 
I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Amen? And there was another time, I'll show you this other time, I was at the post office. I was getting mail for the church, P.O. Box. I had to go, but before we had a church building, we didn't have an address to send our mail to, so we would put it at the post office. And so one day, I was up at the post office. I would take my mail out. There's a counter there. I don't know if you've been in the post office. Take your P.O. Box mail. You put it on the counter. Junk mail, garbage. Oh, I'm taking this home. Junk mail, garbage. So I'm just there minding my own business. And the whole two other, three other people, three women come out inside of me, and they start doing their mail. And the one lady who's right across from me, she starts, she looks at me, and she starts crying. I said, uh-oh, I'm getting set up again. I know the Holy Spirit. I've seen this pattern before. She starts crying, and she says, what must I do to be saved? I said, I got that one down. I've already done this. So I led her to Christ. She gave her life to Jesus. I didn't care where she went to church. I just told her, get in the church. Get in the Bible-believing church. I'll tell you about where we're at. If you want to come, you come. If you don't, you know, just get somewhere where somebody can tell you about God's love for you. And she gave her life to Christ. And you think that was the last one? But if not, I was in Drug Mart two months after that. I was in Drug Mart buying... I don't drink it no more. Pepsi. I was buying Pepsi. I was walking down the Pepsi aisle where they had the sale. And this guy bumps me in my shoulder. He bumps me. I said, did you bump me per, per, on purpose, sir? He says, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I said, you know, you hit me. He said, I'm sorry. I really didn't mean it. I said, are you okay? I'm okay. Are you okay? Yeah. He turns around. He says, oh. He said, I've got to ask you a question. Could you help me? I said, sure. I said, it's something about stock. And I'm not a stock person. I don't work here. He says, no. He says, I want to know, what must I do to be saved? Buying Pepsi and Drug Mart. Come on now. It, does, does this ever happen to you? Why does it happen to me? Carrying something. You're carrying something. We're carriers of His presence. But if we're not carrying Him, then we're carrying all of us and all of our gunk and all the garbage that we are. We carry that or we carry Jesus. We have a choice to make. Who are we going to carry? Are we going to basically be dealing with all of our stuff and all of our self-pity? Because, I mean, I hear it all the time. You know, because we're all focused on us rather than focused on Him. You know, I get up in the morning and spend hours sometimes. You can ask my wife, just reading and studying and praying. And it's just, and so things, it just starts happening, you know. And that's what I believe happened here with Paul and Silas. Things were happening. And what they, and they just were, like it says, be ready in season and out of season. God's just got something planned for you. You don't know what it is, but it's planned. And he says, I like this, and then in verse 30, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So I showed you three things. It can happen at work because it happened to me at work. It can happen at the post office. And it can happen at Drug Mart. So that means it can happen anywhere if you are ready. If you are ready and you have some, you know, you have just, it's real simple. It's fun to do too. It's exciting. And the memories are phenomenal and good memories to have. And then it says, verse 32 says, And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, 
And immediately he and all of his family were baptized. And now when they had brought them into the house, he set them food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God and his household. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Acts 9. Acts 9, verse 31. Is anybody trying that new Bible? No. Has anybody got it? Somebody's got one. Okay, there you go. Okay, you got the mirror. Is there anything bad about mirror? There's no axe. <laughs> got to let. Uh, it's got to be. Retra- it's got still got to be translated. It's a translation and process. Acts 9.31, it says, Then the churches throughout all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort. I like that, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Because when you read John 16, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as a comfort to all men. John 16. And they were multiplied. And now it came to pass, as Peter went through all the parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints. See, it doesn't say to the disciples it says doesn't say to the sinners it says to the saints you notice how the bible always uses the right terminology and the body of christ always uses the wrong terminology you know and we've got the separation between you know the the the, uh, clergy and the you know and the laity come on haven't you read your bible yet we're all ambassadors for christ you know if you remember i did a series on your identity in Christ. There's two, two copies up there of one and two. There's two piles. Here's, here's number three of who you are in Christ. So you can't say I'm laity and I'm clergy. I'm not clergy and you're not laity. We are all the same in Christ. Okay, so here's, here's, number, here's number three. I'll put that out and you can grab some if you want. And um, so we're in Acts chapter 9. Verse 31, 32, And now it came to pass, as Peter went through all the parts of the country, that he also came down to the... Where, does, I don't see disciples again. I see saints. Man, if we could ever start identifying ourselves as who we are. Can you say your name and then say, I'm a saint? I'm saint. That's because that's who you are. Can you say that with your name? Huh? St. James, St. Jimmy, St. Mark, St. Sid, St. Reggie. You look at Reggie, looked at me like, what are you saying? <laughs> it has nothing to do with your behavior. It has nothing to do with who you are. It has everything to do with what he did for you. And what you get as a free gift of righteousness. You know, the Bible talks a lot about faith. And, but the greatest faith we need is the faith of the gift of righteousness that God's given us. The free gift of righteousness and who we are in Him. Because once we start identifying ourselves in that identity, everything in your life will change. You'll never be the same again. The old you will just, won't even show up anymore. He'll get tired of fighting and he'll just quit. Won't he come around anymore? So, and then verse 32, he went down to the saints and dwelt in Lydia. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas and, and who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, just simple words, he says, 
Jesus Christ heals you. Come on, is that hard? How much do I have to pay to go to college? To learn? I, how, Jesus Christ heals you. That's all he said. Because there's a period there. You see it? You see the period? Because it was a complete statement and it was done. After he said that, and the guy was probably struggling, he says, okay now, arise and make your bed and let's get going here. It's time to go to work. You've heard my story, right? Play for a lot of people here. I mean, a lot of people want to get healed. But I've met people that after I told them that after they were healed, they'd have to get a job. They said, please, I don't want to get healed. Because the entitlements in America are more prosperous. See, if I have entitlements, I don't have to work. And so I've had people say, I'm, I'm okay. I thought you were sick. No, I'm okay. I'll just live with my sickness because I can get benefits from it. How I many know God wants us all healed? He wants us all whole so we don't have any sickness. And then he arose immediately, and so that all who dwelt at Lydia, it says, verse 35, this important scripture, so that all who dwelt at Lydia and Sharon saw him, and what did they do when they saw this happen? What does the Bible, what's the last phrase? What did they do? Which tells me that miracles are gifts from God that lead people to Christ. You don't necessarily have to say too much except... Jesus heals you. God gets healed and the whole area sees the healing and says, hey, they turn to the Lord. That's real simple evangelism. I don't have to know four spiritual laws. I don't have to know the Roman road. <clears throat> Amen? Amen. And there's more things that happen and then in that Joppa, say Joppa. Thank you, Samantha. You're listening. There was a certain disciple named Tabitha or Tabitha. I don't know. How do you say that? Tabitha, okay, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good. And what was she full of? Good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died and when. They had washed her. They laid her in an upper room, which was the way that they took care of the dead in those days. And since Lydia was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him imploring him not to delay in coming to them because they've already heard that Jesus raises the dead. But Jesus is gone because he's already in heaven at the right hand of the Father. But there's one of his ambassadors, one of his representatives, Second Corinthians chapter 5, which all of us are. And he's at Joppa. He's in, and, and they, so they send for Peter. And then Peter arose, verse 39, with them. And when they had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by weeping and showing the tunics and the garments with Dorcas had made while she was with them. And Peter put them all out. Get out! He put them all out. Why did he pull up, put them all out? Because they did not believe he could raise the dead. And he's already did it. He's already seen it. He's already seen Jesus come back from the dead after being crucified. And in the grave for three days, come out of the tomb. He's seen it with his own eyes. 
Now, let me ask you a question. You think these are all fairy tales? Why did God write these in the Bible? So that you and I would read them and be encouraged and believe that we could do these because He said in John 14, 12, greater works than these shall you do. Wow. Greater. Greater works than these. And so not only did he pull them all out in verse 40, he knelt down and he prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And she said, where's Chipotle? And then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows who were outside crying because she was dead and he was inside with a live body. Amen. He presented her to them alive. Not dead. Just took a break. She was tired. She needed a break. All that, doing all the good things. Giving away all her goods. She just needed a little rest. And it came to be known throughout all the Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. Another, another miracle, more salvations. It looks like there's a pattern here. Just heal people, and they'll come to the Lord. So let's get to the hospitals and the nursing homes and get it done. Amen. The faith of a child. Yes, that's good. Go. Take Grandma with you, too. And so it was that he stayed there many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner, okay? And then this is the best part. I saved the best to last, okay? Because I wanted to get to Acts 10. Because we're talking about a guy who's Italian. You know, has no reflection on me, you know, whatsoever. But there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God in all, with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God once in a while. No scripture? You got that scripture? Okay. Very important point. And he prayed to God Always. Okay? Yeah, a Gentile. Not even a Jew. How, how could that be? Who, how, how did they get adopted in? What happened? About the ninth hour of the day, which would be three o'clock and their kind of thing, he saw clearly in a vision an angel. You want to know something about angels? They were common during that day. And today, if you tell somebody you saw an angel, they think, eh, 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 the white guys in the white coats are coming to get you. Uh, they're in my house all the time. No. No, the angels. But if I was to tell a lot of people that I had angels, other than you folks, they might come. You know? 
and a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, I mean, the angel even knew his name. He didn't tell him his name. He just said, Cornelius. He didn't say, hey, I'm Cornelius. Who are you? You know, there was no, no, no time going. And, and when he had observed him, he was afraid. He says, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your giving have come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa, or Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea, and he will tell you what you must do. Now, this was not down the street. This was three days away. It wasn't like he was just, you know, I just heard some gossip about the city and found this out. He had no idea where this guy was. Who told him? How did he know? Where was this all coming from? Amen? Don't forget your prayers and your alms there. And he's lodging with Simon. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants, and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. You know, when I, read, when I hear that, I remember the movie. How many have ever seen the movie The Gladiator? And, and Maximus was the, you know, the main character of The Gladiator. And then Maximus had, he was a guy like an Italian, he had, a, he had a, a regiment of soldiers around him who would attend to him all the time. Even when he got in trouble, they still served him. They took care of this guy. That's the same thing that's happening here soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he explained all these things to him, he sent them to Joppa. The next day as they were on their journey, they drew near the city. Peter went up to the housetop. Why did he go up to the housetop? I mean, what's going on here? Peter went up to the housetop to pray. To pray. And it was only the sixth hour at this time. Now it's not the ninth. We're at the sixth. Twelve o'clock. And he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they... Made ready, he fell into a trance. A trance. Say it again, trance. Yeah, tell somebody you fell into a trance, see what they tell you. I'm going to take you over to Cleveland Clinic and see if you're goofy. Yeah. And saw, he saw in verse 11, and saw heaven opened, and objects like a great sheet bound on four corners descending to him, and they led him down to earth, and with all kinds of four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, creepy things, birds of the air, all he was trying to tell them is... You know, Peter, he said, I've got to tell you something, buddy. You're going to have to let the Gentiles in. You're going to have to accept the Gentiles as brothers and sisters. Because, you know, how many know the Jews didn't like Gentiles? What, were they, what, was they, what was the term that they used in reference to Gentiles? D-O-G-S, dogs. That's the opposite of God, dogs. And a voice came to him and says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, Uh-uh, it me. No, I've never eaten anything uncommon or clean, unclean. And a voice came to him again and said, uh, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. And this was done three times, and the object was taken up back up into... Where did the object come from? Heaven. Where did it go back to? Heaven. It says it. Scripture says it. Into heaven again. Amen. And now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which we had seen meant. Behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit of God said to him, Behold, 
three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing. Say doubting nothing. Say doubting nothing. Say it again. Doubting nothing. I mean, that's a pretty big bill. When you don't know what's going on, all you're hearing is the Spirit talking to you. And the Spirit says, don't doubt. Just do what they tell you, for I have sent them. And then Peter went down to the men who had been sent from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. And then he invited them and lodged them. And the next day Peter went away with them and some of the brethren from Joppa or Joppa accompanied him. And the story goes on and on and it's a great story. But I want to talk about just some things that really happened here and then we're going to end today. But let, let's go back to Acts 10.3. And, and it does say specifically that an angel started this whole thing. And the angel specifically mentions Cornelius' prayers and his gifts to the poor. And these two elements went up to God as a sacrifice and caused Cornelius to be remembered. I mean, something happens, church, when we pray that we don't see in the natural. You know, there was a lot of people praying for the midterm election. Not some, lots. Thousands upon thousands. Across the world. And what happens is when you begin to give to God and you decide no longer to be stingy, when you give yourself to the spirit of generosity, and if you want to read about the spirit of generosity, all you have to do is turn in your Bible. You don't have to buy a book. Just turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and read about it. Well, you should read 8 and 9 because they go together, but... If that's too difficult, just read nine. But when you enter into the flow of giving or sowing into the heavens, purposing in your heart to give in the way that God desires, the way the Scripture teaches, your generosity rises before God as a memorial. That's what the Bible says. I'm not making this up. And heaven takes notice. I always say this. I say it all the time. God sees. So if you think you're just giving in private and nobody sees it, God sees. If you're stingy and you got it to give and you won't give it, God sees. How about you? God sees everything. You can't do anything behind closed doors and think you can run for God sees it all. God knows what's going on. And if it's wrong and it has a consequence, it will be exposed. Because God loves us all. Amen? A memorial has someone's name engraved on it. So when you pray and you sow your seed with purpose, your name is suddenly on heaven's lips. And when God saw the memorial sent by Cornelius' prayers and giving, God said, God said, God said, let's dispatch an angel to intervene for this man. And that's how it all started. And this came and this can happen to you or to me or for all of us as well. Pray daily and continually. Give and give some more endlessly and see what God will do for you. 
What was the end result? An outpouring of glory in the household full of Gentiles who were filled with the Spirit and spoke with other tongues. When God did this for Cornelius and his family, He will do it for you as well. Ask God to speak to you concerning your financial stewardship. Ask Him to show you. I mean, you might be saying, I I, I'm on a strict budget, Pastor. I, 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 I'm on Social Security. I can't give much. I bet you can give something. I bet you can give something. God's not asking for a percentage. If you think He's asking for a percentage, you're in the wrong covenant. He's just asking you to be generous. He's not asking you for percentages. He's asking you to be a, to be a generous giver. And your generosity might be just what you can do at that time. But ask Him to show you the spiritual fields where you are to sow your seeds that will produce the best harvest. Choose to live your life generously. Choose to live your life generously. And continually look for people, places, and atmosphere where you can sow the seeds of your life with the intention of cultivating an abundant harvest. Touching God through your sacrificial giving of the spirit, soul, and body is very personal but extremely powerful because as you sow to the heavens, the Lord sows to the earth with a release of angelic helpers ready to assist Wow. and deliver blessings to you from the glory realm. I'll tell you what, God wants to bless you so much. And sometimes we're just too stingy. Just too stingy. You know? Can't, can't give. Oh, yeah, everybody. I, when I hit a wall and I said I can't give, I just started to pray. I said, Lord, I need, I need not only enough for me, I need an abundance so I can give it away. I love giving. It's so much fun. I had a blast yesterday at Hobby Lobby because I was giving. I had something to give. It was fun to give. I don't know if you've ever had that blessing, man. It's fun to give. I was at Hobby Lobby. I gave something away. Hobby Lobby. I was going into so no church offering. I was just, I found some good soil. I mean, what do you want? More, deeper, angels, glory realms while here on earth. They're available to those, available to those who desire such things. Jesus had them, and He said that we could have them too, and even greater. Even greater. Let me give you one final scripture since it's in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 20. Acts 20. Have your Bible open there? Acts 20. Acts 20. Verse 35. How many know there's not much read in Acts? Huh? I mean, if you have a, you know, a red letter Bible and you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get a lot of red. But when you get to the book of Acts, it seems like everything stops. I mean, there's some red there in the beginning. But when you get into, you know, 10, 12, where's it at? It doesn't, it's not there. But then you get to Acts 20, 35, and you find a red. It says in verse 35, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that He said, it is more blessed 
to give than it is to receive. Who said it? Oh my gosh. Case closed. I'm done. He said it. I'm done. Worship team. I done. I done, Gamma. <laughs>